What's going on? We made it 2024, another year and another episode. Episode seven this time, and the guest is Camilo Hannibal Smith, who, as he will tell you in his own self-introduction, is a culture writer. So Camilo has been writing about Lucha Libre or doing journalistic work documenting Lucha Libre for years. I mean, probably a decade plus at this point, at least. And I knew of this kind of tangentially, but it didn't really come up for me until I read an article that he wrote in the Houston Chronicle, I want to say in September. So I hit him up and I said, yo, man, if I ever did a, you know, a stream, would you ever be down to come on? And he said, yeah. And then proceeded to send me just clips, wrestling clips, footage, pictures, articles, everything. And I said, okay, I have to have this dude on. So the one thing that might not be totally obvious if you're listening to this version rather than watching it is that at a certain point, we're watching some footage from a pretty recent match, actually, that was held in Houston. And there's this wrestler named Lowrider. Yes, his name is Lowrider, like the car. And he's basically grabbing this dude, standing on the top rope and throwing him over his back into the audience like the audience is full of people full of kids old ladies everything and dude just body slams them into the chairs into the audience so if you're wondering why i'm gasping that's why because i hadn't seen this footage before anyway that's about all you need to know let's get into it what's going on man glad to be here man thanks for having me since chad is here and since people are here um and they know a little bit about me not nearly as much about you um how do you introduce yourself uh tell tell me a little about yourself man man i say um i'm camilo hannibal smith independent journalist based out of houston texas originally from new jersey um i've been i've been in the game you know as a freelance culture writer for for a long time um and yeah i i just do stories where i'm based i came out here 10 years ago to work in independent media to work at the Houston Press, and um, and yeah, I just been I just been doing my thing and and trying to create like an archive of stories and and you know trying to better my multimedia work. So I'm just I'm just a student of the game and and part time teacher, you know, uh, an adjunct at the University of Houston. Um, but yeah, I'm just okay. a Jersey dude. Lived on the West Coast. Now I'm on the South. Uh, you know, the dirty South. Man, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so how how long you been in Houston? Yeah, 10 years. I, I mean, 10 years in February, February, March. I came out here, yeah, wow. 2014. Okay. Dragged my All family right. out here. I was like, we're going to go for this newspaper job. Of course, newspaper jobs. That's a whole other ball game. Newspaper job. It's, I mean, every, everything's a whole, it's it's a cold game out there, period, uh, as, as everybody Indeed. knows. Um, but yeah, man. So you said you, you talked... You referred to yourself as a culture writer. The reason why I say it is because, hmm. you know, when, when if you say, you know, I'm a journalist, I think a lot of people, you know, uh, equate that with, you know, maybe you're covering fires, investigations, things like that. And not to take anything away from culture journalism, because I think it's, it's still very important. You know, like we're still chronicling the times. We're still letting people know, you know, what's going on in the now. But um, I feel like it doesn't get as much respect. But yeah. Culture, man. Culture is where it's at. Cult, seriously, like that's it. 
everything. I mean, you know, in the U.S., we're fighting a culture war right now. I feel like there's five, six different culture wars happening oh, globally, yeah. actually, not even just in the U.S., but I mean, it's it's international. But we could do all the the meta stuff. I want to I want to get right into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I want I want to get I want to get right into it, man. I thought maybe we could just start with the can we just look at a match real quick or part of a match? You sent me over yeah. this. Man, this is this is like a warehouse in um Magnolia Park, Houston, like the oldest Latino neighborhood in Houston, Mexican American to be specific. Um and every Sunday night, this is what they do, man. They they bring out probably like a ninety nine point nine percent Hispanic crowd, Latino crowd, and they watch these dudes get up on, on the ring. This, oh, okay. this is a video that's this is a video that's made by what the promoters. So they uploaded the whole this two hour video. Hey, this, all the matches of the night uploaded to uh, yeah to YouTube. Th- this isn't this is somebody who's probably doing the promoter a solid. This is somebody who's who's um, working on the side because the, the promoter himself, I know, doesn't get involved with too much of this stuff. But this is somebody who's probably doing them a solid like, hey, let me upload this um, to help promo you. Yeah, this yeah. all this stuff is, is fairly new. OK, uh, where's this dude? This guy. <laughs> oh, Lowrider. OK, I'll tell you about this guy. Yes, please. This, guy, this dude's legit. Seen, his name is Lowrider. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen this guy on um, on announcements. I want to say Oklahoma, all around. Like he's he travels like different Latino communities and, okay. and wrestles. He, I, from what I from what I know about him, because I haven't really been able to catch up to him, speak to him in person, but I've asked mm-hmm. other people about him. He's from he's from Houston, and he is uh, he's building his name as a you know really on like the lucha libre circuit and also in uh, kind of the more. I don't know mainstream or American wrestling style independent circuit, but um, but yeah, lowrider. So a lot of these guys they take names that are attached to like Chicano culture, you mm-hmm. know. And so that for some reason, let's say I'm a recent immigrant, that's one thing I'll connect with is like Chicano culture. I might I might you know Chivo and those guys, they'll connect with like certain states in Mexico. And so like I'll you know let's say I came from Michoacan or uh, I came okay. from you know, someplace like I'll have a wrestler who represents my state and this guy's kind of trying to represent kind of the Chicano, but I don't, I don't think he's from, like, I don't think he was even uh, born here because I feel like he, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if he's like, uh, you know, what I'm trying to say is I think he's also part of this group, like, you know, influx of recent immigrants who just, you know, got into the wrestling game, but he's, he's good. He's good. He's really good. Yeah. So, I mean, we could, we could we could play this we could show let's just let's just look at a little bit a little bit of this and then we'll look at a little bit of another match i think (laughs) yeah see that 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 comes with every that comes with the price of admission right there some of these moves are out of control man look yeah bro okay so he spotted him when he went out there so the people in the front kind of cleared out because what they'll do is you don't see it really in anything in the video but they kind of they kind of give him a heads up like yo he's about to do something yeah, people in the front, you're out. But that that is required energy at these events. If if you're not even in, even in the the local independent American scene, like if you're not throwing people in chairs into the crowd, that kind of interaction, people aren't gonna pay twenty five dollars for just <laughs> around the ring. 
That's what they pay for. You know, it, you know, it reminds me of like going to the Sea World. You ever been to Sea World, man? I know, like, man, I don't know if <laughs> it is like Sea World anymore. You know what I mean? But like, yes. you go to Sea World, yeah. and then there's the you go there when you're a kid, and then there's the kids who's like, I want to sit up front. I want to sit up front. It's Shamu. And it's like, why you want to sit up front? You can get splashing, be cold all day. Yeah. But they felt like that was part of the experience. I thought that was the silliest thing in the world, bro. You want to go sit up front and get kicked in the face? Is that what you get want? You pay extra too. <laughs> you pay, I swear to God, the seating is extra. Front row seats are a little bit extra. They're like five, ten dollars extra for the possibility so, of legitimately getting kicked in the face. Because my right, man really so did legit- throw somebody into the crowd. He did. That's the same spot. So on the other side, so on the right side of that ring, mm-hmm. I've been in that in that area where they did that. They didn't spot well, and they crashed into a bunch of little kids. And the mom, the moms were furious. Like no, nobody got maimed or anything. Right. I mean, there were a bunch of there were a bunch of kids crying. And the guy, when the when one of the women in, in the crowd was like, "What's going on?" Like you know, breaking. You know, it was reality. It was like, "Yo, you know, what's going on?" He's like, "Yo, this is lucha libre. Like, you know, it's 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 do or die. Like these dudes are working. So you, you got to get the kids out the way. That's, that's that's how it goes down. That's how it goes down in this venue." Yo. Okay. And I mean. We there's there's so many others. I mean, we got we got women pulling up in here. I mean, it's all like every yeah. the entire just the gamut, the gamut. Because you pass you know, one woman is, on there. What's up? There's one woman. Uh, she's got like the pink her right there. That's spooky. yeah, yeah. Spooky. She's, she's got a cool story. Yeah, she calls herself L.A. Spooky. Like she's taking like she's like Chicana from the neighborhood, and so she takes like a. It's supposed to be like a gangster Chicana kind of vibe she's got going. Um, uh-huh. And she's just like, she's got a little kid. She's got a little son and she brings him to the matches and he watches her. Sometimes he comes out with her. Is she, yeah, is it LA, oh, yeah, LA spooky or La spooky? What, so, what yeah, she, she never really. So sometimes she capitalizes it. So it's L dot A dot. And then other times that I think when people don't, don't speak to her, they put La spooky, but it's kind of a play on both of those. So she's like La spooky, but she's also LA spooky. Got you. Um, but she she's from kind of like nearby neighborhoods. So this is wow. like, you know, Chicana from Houston, like living out her dreams. Um, if you notice up there, the, the Cathedral of Lucha Libre in Houston. What, what made this special, what makes this event special is just the fact that it goes on on a weekly basis. Like it, it's almost unheard of, even in just, you know, I guess regular style American wrestling for yeah. an independent promotion to be doing it weekly. Yeah, so so let, let's back up, man. Let's back up. So what what was it that made you like? What what was the inspiration behind saying, okay, here's something happened, and let me write an article about this? I came out to Houston to work for the Houston Press, and uh, I you know is a uh, you know like LA Weekly, you know is is it was actually owned by the same company, um, and I got a cover story in there about a Lucha Libre family because we had to pitch it because right people write it off. They're like, oh, this is just wrestling. I was like, no, check it out. There's this whole family, like a guy, his two sons. And he's trying to get his little nine-year-old kid to be a Lucha Libre wrestler. And so this became a cover story. This was back in 2017 or so. Mm. And um, and I just kind of just just sat on it. I reconnected with these guys probably over the course of like, so let's say like around the pandemic, just after the pandemic kind of eased up. So let's say like late 2020, 2021, I was just going like every other Sunday. Yeah. And, um, and then the dudes that were doing it, they like broke apart. Like it was like a business dispute. And so the one guy's broke apart from the other guy. Oh shit! And um, 
And then I was like, wow, there's a lot of drama going on here, you know? Uh, and so, you know, the one guy who broke apart, he still was like, yeah, you can still come in and, and photograph, you know, I'm still doing this every weekend. Um, and then I had, uh, you know, I told what, what this editor I work with uh, named Carrie Darling, he's, he's the, uh, the, the features editor at the Houston Chronicle. I was like, hey, man, I got this story, you know, but um, I don't know, man, because I know if I, if I flip a, a freelance story off of this, I'm going to get a little bit of money and it's going to blow up and like everybody's going to be like on top of it. I was I was worried because I had done this in um, as a grad school project and, um, you know, it was yeah. my thesis in grad school. And after it was published and it was like publicized, like this is a list of all the theses that came out of Columbia Journalism School this year. I got hit up by so many people who just wanted the idea. Like nobody was like, hey, come on and be like a co-producer on the documentary. Nothing. Everybody's just like, hey, could you give me your, uh, you know, could you give me your people's like, could you, could you give me your, your contacts? Yo. Um, so I was, yeah, yeah. Yo. OK, like, Let, let's back up. Let's back up. Hold on a second. There, there's five. <laughs> that's what this all comes from. That's that's what. The, yeah. Yeah. Because I know some of this, but I want to I want to unpack about five things that you just talked about um right one is columbia journalism school right so you went to journalism school i did i didn't really have to but i did i thought it was gonna help me keep a job but it didn't um yeah i don't feel like i I really needed to but i knew a lot of people who did at the la times when i worked there Mm -hmm. and i I felt like if i go to journalism school to help me keep the job i laugh at it now because uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> shit just got worse after after i left journalism school I mean, what, what's your connection to lucha libre what's what's your connection there so like i always say my earliest memory was in dover new jersey they did this uh yearly they did the puerto rican festival I, i'm pretty sure it was called the puerto rican festival although it might have been called like the latino festival mm-hmm. um my 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 Latino side. I'm, I'm black and, and Latino. My Latino side uh, immigrated from Colombia back in the '70s, and uh, they they stopped in New York. And one of the places that they ended up was this place called Dover, New Jersey. If you ever look up Dover, New Jersey, it's it's got one of the largest, strongest hardcore Hispanic populations. Started out as Puerto Rican, then it went to um, Colombian, and now I think it might be like Central American. But um, anyway, they had a yearly event there. And I remember one one summer my mom took me and um, there was like Puerto Rican style Lucha Libre. So, um, you know, because Lucha Libre is translated to other Hispanic, Spanish speaking areas in the, mm-hmm. in the Caribbean, especially. Dominican Republic has its own like Lucha Libre uh, Federation. I remember being like super close to the ring and seeing and noticing like the material of the mat and how the guys would fall on it. And it was like just beefy brown dudes just you know and i don't know if there was a mask guy or not but then i connect that with growing up now i told you my dad's black right Mm -hmm. but he's always been like a movie fan and there would be times it'd be like a saturday morning or something he'd be like hey man check this out this is mil mascaras on tv or you know he didn't say with the accent but he'd be like mil mascaras on tv and i'm like what is this and it'd be like a dude with a mask on wrestling like the wolfman shit and because my dad liked a lot of um he, he liked that kind of stuff. He liked like B-grade horror movies and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a whole history of Lucha Libre translating into the golden age of Mexican cinema where they produced all these like, you know, Lucha Libre starring, uh, you know, with Lucha Libre guy was like the superhero of, of the piece. And so, uh, you know, okay. that. So it's a combination of like seeing it live as a kid and just being like, wow. And then my dad introducing it to me. And that was it. And like, I didn't, you know, and I was a big wrestling fan you know, like, you know, I'm an old head, so I was a big wrestling fan, like, in the whole Hulk Hogan era and, like, kind of like the the 
definitely in the eighties. Like uh, another another uh, uh, um, you know. Uh, recorded. I don't know why I'm talking Spanish right now. Another memory I have <laughs> it's so good. is um, is is my my uh, so my my dad's side my my um so my dad's from Newark, New Jersey, right? And so I would sometimes spend the weekends at my grandmother's house out there, and I remember they would put on the WWF, and I would yeah. and so like wrestling has always kind of been like there and a part of my upbringing, you know. And like I said, I did in high school, but I was like never really, even in high school I wasn't. Yeah, if you were sentient being <laughs> in the late 80s and early 90s i feel like i don't even think it was just being a kid i feel like everybody like everybody knew who hulk hogan was everybody yeah, knew who hulk hogan rock was. And yeah it was it was just the obvious mm -hmm. thing you know what i mean like macho man randy savage like all rick flair you just knew who these people were they were actually known entities they were known celebrities you know what i mean i definitely wasn't aware that there was a whole parallel thing happening in you know in in mexico and definitely i like you just now telling me that there's another version of that puerto rico there's another version of that like, i i didn't realize mm -hmm. that there's different versions and spinoffs and yeah I, what what are the differences i mean were you aware of the differences in different areas as a kid did you know, oh, yeah, the Mexicans do it I like this, it Puerto Ricans do it like this. Did, did you know that? Uh, no, I think it was just the cultural. I mean, I just know that anytime you ask a Spanish-speaking person about wrestling, mm -hmm. they would automatically call it Lucha Libre because that's just what it translates to for people. Right. You know, so Lucha Libre is both just a way of talking about wrestling in Spanish. But then when you get to, like, Mexico, I feel like it's a, it's a definitive cultural kind of landmark. It's, it's, it's a cultural touchstone because it, it kind of evolved at the same time or just slightly later than than American wrestling, but became like its own thing, like became like part of like a a, a national identity, which is which is weird. And and that I had no no concept of. I mean, I just also just want to jump in and say, you know, you as a person who who's who's well versed in Japanese culture, like that's a whole other aspect of it. Yeah. Like like Japan is is they they have their own thing like a lucha libre star could go to japan and make money you know and and come back just like american stars can go to japan and make money because you know they they love it to to a certain degree as well and and i want to say like they even upped it a little bit with the lucha libre stuff because you'll see like japanese dudes like the tiger mask i know there's a dude called tiger mask that was a big star back in the yeah. day and he just straight up wore tiger mask yeah um and i think they took their own culture and added to it like you see the dudes with the dragon mask Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, it, it evolved in a way that, um, that is just, you know, part of being, and to kind of, you know, so it is part of the national identity in a sense, mm -hmm. but, you know, in doing this work, I've also realized that it's part of like a working class culture. And so it's really mm -hmm. something that like people look down, certain people look down on, like, you know, not, 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 I'm not talking bad about my wife at all. She's from Mexico city, but like, she won't go to any Lucha Libre events just because she's like, man, I'm not down with all that violence and everything because uh, she knows like in her country in her country is, is, you know, it's part, it's part of the culture, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's kind of there, you know, you look at it as like, okay, it's more like a working class thing. And as you read the literature about, you know, how Lucha Libre evolved in, in, in Mexico, it was really like a poor person's entertainment at a certain point. And then it got to TV. I mean, this is stuff I was, I was reading in, in, in books about it. 
Um, yeah. And then it got to be televised. And then it raised the bar a little bit because it was on television. You know, the people who could afford TVs, you know, but then it kind of dipped down again. And so now it's still kind of like a very um, kind of working class kind of um, because it's, it's very vulgar. They'll be shouting ra- racial epithets, you know, like if there's a black a black dude in the ring and you listen, you'll you'll hear you'll hear them say like, uh, you know, chocolate this. Like I've heard people say like disparaging things about black people to get into the ring. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're saying stuff about white people getting the ring. But um, there's a lot of racism. There's a lot of homophobia in it. Um, and and that's a whole other aspect. There's something I've seen, I think, makes it a little bit troubling and problematic. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I took that in a whole other in a whole other uh, way. But I think you would ask a more simple question. I apologize. No, no, no. no these these are all, all, all good directions, man, because you kind of get start to get at least a little bit of the surface of how, how deep this can get. We've talked a little bit about the the perceptions of lucha libre right it's you know it's definitely working class thing like you just said even within mexico like if you're from the city that's kind of a oh uh, that's what that's what they do out kind of in the country yeah that's some, that's some exactly. lower class stuff i don't really want to be associated yeah. with that just yeah. it's it's like it's a i'm using big air quotes here it's a low class thing mm-hmm. to be into you know what i mean it, yeah. it's, it's a hobby that is not becoming of somebody who's you know a cosmopolitan type person right Honestly, right. in a similar way to like if you're into wrestling now in the States, that's a little weird. You know what I mean? If you're going if you're going to the shows, I feel it like is. that's that's a little it's unusual. I'm just gonna say it's unusual. Like if you take this stuff seriously, it's damn, really? Um Wrestling fan dudes, like the hardcore dudes. Yeah, <laughs> if, yeah. if you go, it's yeah. a very particular you, it's a very particular type of person, but I think there's mm-hmm. a now I've I've talked to people who are really into it, and actually when they get going, it's pretty interesting. But stereotypically, I'm just talking real stereotypically. Um, so when you you make this piece, or you you do a project as a journalism student, right? You get a master's um, at right. Columbia, obviously hugely famous journalism school. What what were your peers saying about this? Did they did they take this seriously? What, what did they think? Most of them were like, yo, that's that's a badass idea. Oh, that's fucking cool. Mm. Um, the, you know, the kind of the gatekeepers, the professors and everything, they needed it to go deep for, for it mm. to be a project there. So they needed to know about the business structure. Like overall, my my thesis was that um, the, the, the Mexican population had swelled in New York you know, um, since I, you know, cause I lived in LA from 2001 to 2007 mm. and, and I grew up in Jersey, like 10 miles outside of Manhattan. So like, I, you know, I'm pretty well versed on, on New York and what it's like. And, um, when I came back and then, and then from, well, I, I should just say when I left LA, I went straight to Mexico city and I lived there for two years. Okay. And in that time I was doing projects around like Mexican hip hop and I was going to Lucha Libre events. But I I was just chronicling it for myself, like I was just doing videos and stuff for myself. Um, and then when I went to Columbia, that was my first time going back to the states. And then I landed back in New York, which I hadn't been in like almost ten years. And I noticed right away that like the similarities between having just freshly been in Mexico City and going to like you know um, Arena Mexico, which is where they put on like the the like the best Lucha Libre matches like on a planet happened in Mexico City at this place called Arena Mexico and Roma. 
going to New York, seeing that, and then going to like, I went, it was like September. So, you know, you start Columbia in August and then in September, you know, you're like looking for stories. Like what's my, what's my thesis going to be? And I went to, um, I went to, to a, um, a, a, um, a Mexican event and I looked down on the floor on the ground. This is, this is how it happened. I looked down on the ground. I went to like a, a celebration. It was like a Mexican independence day celebration. I looked yeah. down on the ground and I saw a flyer and I was like, and it was a Lucha Libre flyer. I was like, God damn. I was like, that flyer looks exactly like the flyers I saw in Mexico City, but that has a New York address on it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've never seen Lucha Libre in New York. Now, granted, there probably were, there probably was Lucha Libre going on in New York. I just didn't notice it. And then when I picked up that flyer and I looked at it and I was like, damn, you know, I called the number on it, started talking to the dude. It was like, you know, obviously as a journalist, you're like, is this new? You know, and they're all like, yeah, man, this is new. Like, we haven't been doing this. You know, there was a there was a spot in Queens that was doing it like every so often they bring in people. Mm-hmm. But really, you know, the demography, like I remember we had a presentation from a demographer and I like asked the question like, hey, is the Mexican population been increasing here? And they're like, God damn it. Yeah, man. Like there's, you know, like there was like proof and data that this was happening. Yeah. So I tied that into my interest to Lucha Libre. I said, hey, man, more Mexicans here. They need more entertainment from where they're from. And there's dudes who are doing it. This is the story of one dude. And they wanted to know about the business. Dude did not want to tell me about his business and how it was working. So there's, you know, like a lot of promoters, there's like shady underpinnings and Ooh, things I, like that. I was about to ask. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> a- anything, promoters, anything you talking about, you talking about music, you talking about boxing, you talking about wrestling. Yeah. The the rap of that is everybody's shady. They're ripping off yeah. the talent. You know, they're ripping off the workers. What's the vibe like yeah. in Lucha Libre? What's it like? Yeah, man. Some some guys will be wrestling for free. You know, I mean, you know, you're not getting health insurance if somebody body slams you and you get a concussion. You know, so some of these guys are doing it for free. Some of these guys are doing it for like, you know, twenty five dollars, fifty dollars. Well, probably not that low. Well, you know, free or like fifty bucks, maybe a hundred yeah. bucks. You know, if you're like a well known talent, then you're you're probably getting. You know, I don't even know. Like they keep that stuff so secret. Um, and like, no matter how far in you think you're in with somebody, once you start talking about the numbers, like they don't tell you, you know? Really? So I got why, one why person. That, that? I think because, I think because on one level it's passion driven. Mm. And so I think when you get something that's passion driven, you will get people who do shit for free or will do shit for very low cost. And then I think there's also probably like the promoters has to have their favorites and you know, there's probably people that they pay actual money to. The guy I did I did my my because Columbia would not let me submit that without putting in some numbers, and um, I basically just had to beg the guy like, "Yo, man, you got you got to please, please tell me tell me how this works because I I need to graduate." And uh, and so I think he told me something like it cost like at the time he said something like five hundred dollars to put it on, and I, I got to look back at the piece again. But he did give me some numbers that 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 added up. So let's let, let's actually just take take a look at this one here um so this is this is the, this is your most recent piece and this is the one that uh that i wanted to talk about here so this is in the houston chronicle uh weekly lucha libre event in east houston keeps latino subculture alive and so i mean some of the photos <laughs> photos in this are incredible this dude legit getting thrown backwards into a ladder so that that's low rider right there that's low oh that's low <laughs> dude's name so that's, that's low rider throwing who throwing that guy throwing um his, his name is like the venador or something like the it's a complicated his name is a little complicated to translate i know i was asking my wife like how do you translate this guy's name 
something like the the second coming. See how it's like that Christ symbol. So yeah. he's kind of like the the second coming or something like that. Like he's he's like I I, I gotta I gotta see his name again, but I know something like that. It's kind of a complicated uh, way to translate that. Wow. But folks get it. Folk, folks who is meant for, they get it. Yeah, yeah. Wow, man. So so I started off because, you know, wrestling in general, I think, is known as like, um, you know, any, any form of wrestling has like old folks, I feel, who run up and like yell at the wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And and in Lucha Libre, like this lady was it, this lady, Marta Gonzalez. That's why I started off with her. Cause like I said, I was going there taking now those pictures, by the way, aren't aren't by my photos. They're they're by this uh a chronicle photographer named uh Raquel Natalikio. Um I just wanted to throw that out there. But okay. I um I saw Marta at every event and I took photos of her and gave them to her. Like I really wanted to like figure out what her story was. I didn't have room to tell it here, but she's just there all the freaking time. Like every she never misses a show. She brings her daughter. Her daughter brings her daughters and it's, it's a generational thing. It's like, it's like just in real time being able to like explain the cultural thing and just to see it happen. Like this lady came with like her whole damn family every single Sunday. And, um, and she, you know, wait, what? Just, <laughs> Tell she, me about this person. <laughs> so she doesn't get in the ring to actually wrestle, but she'll get in the ring to like yell at people. And, and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they they kind of let her they give her a little leeway because she's such she's such a big fan and every now and then they will um prep her on storylines oh like, shoot um yeah but like she's not a that's her right there this is but her. she's okay. not like she's not a wrestler she's just like a super fan and and they make her part of the show which is like i mean what fan wouldn't want that you know like they just make her part of the show and she um but she does curse at them she does curse at them she, she so ever toss a chancla? She, she, I mean, she damn near does, but no, she has it. Now she, you know, she, she keeps it. You know, they, they keep it civil. They keep it civil to a degree. You know, like they don't, they don't throw shit at each other. But <laughs> it's um, that that is a good question though. That yes. would that would be that would be truly the storyline right there. Like a what pops up <laughs> with the thing and just throws it in at somebody. I mean. I'm sure that's happened somewhere. I'm sure there's some uh, Lucha Libre event where some lady does do that. Because they get into it. Like, they really get into it. They got their favorite wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And people come out there and, and um, you know, I mean, you know, the wrestlers, they they prep their stuff. But if they prep it in a way that looks like, you know, one of them is getting, you know, taken advantage of or something, mm-hmm. like, she'll, she'll jump in there. Yeah, I've seen her do it a bunch. They'll pass her the mic, you know, like, they, they include her. They give so, her the mic. That's wild. Yo. Yeah, yeah. They give her the mic sometimes. I mean, I've seen it happen a, a couple of times. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. She, she gave me this she... quote here, which was, uh, "Me gusta pelear con la bola de lucha libre," and I, I was like, I was like, man, what does that mean? Because like, I, I speak pretty good Spanish, but you know, like I said, I'm, I'm part Colombian. Um, so it's like, my, I know, I know more Colombian Spanish. So, but that's like a, um. A me- you know, when you talk about la bola, like that's like a Mexican way of just saying like, um, you know, this 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 bunch of dudes. Um, but she was, you know, because I asked her, you know, like, why do you do this? Why do you get into? This? She's like, yeah, I just like to get in. She likes to be part of the show, you know. Like she she pays their money. Um, shit, she might be getting in for free. I should ask her that. 
but um but she's there all the time consistent you know and i've asked other people about it and they've been going to this event since it was just like a few wrestlers and a few people um and so you know they they kept with it and now now it is what it is yeah actually i mean you can see even just in this picture right here i mean you can see uh when marta right she's here you got little kids there's a there's an actual baby in the background legit there's three generations in this photo we got you know this woman who's 44 you know somebody who could age-wise could probably be her daughter somebody who could be a granddaughter you got old dude in the background and you got another dude with it actually just carrying a baby in something Mm -hmm. might we remind you in which dudes are regularly known to be thrown out of the ring into the audience they have they have crashed into that area and that not that baby but another one was being held and and the baby the baby the baby didn't get hit i don't think i think the mom got out of the way in time but but it was everybody was was a little scared that day cuz they did they crashed into that area that she's in right now Damn. but i think after that happened they might have told him like hey man stop you know y'all got to be more careful but um yeah your babies you and the your babies zone. are are in danger exactly they're in the splash zone we've been talking about this sport this art form we could call it both of those things as i mean i think we we generally understand it at least in the states we understand it as primarily a mexican thing which is cool um you wrote about this as a houston thing and also you were telling me over dms that this is this is starting to become also kind of a southern thing specifically uh what does lucha libre look like in the south in these communities only thing i could tell from where i'm at is seeing it i know that lucha libre follows where the mexican population is or generally the mexican population has, has planted has you know firmly planted themselves and it'll be in areas that maybe there's like factory work or there is um agricultural work that brings a lot of people like the people we were talking about who you know in air quotes are interested in this kind of activity and this kind of entertainment the wrestlers themselves are probably you know not as not as well trained but still but still know how to put on the show and whoever the promoters are they're definitely paying some money to bring um you know either in kind of the southern circuit or or you know more well known to to go there i had reached out to one uh you know luchadora female female lucha libre wrestler who who um performs in atlanta and i was asking her i was like hey is there you know is there a lot of wrestling in georgia and she's like yeah you know we have the southern like she's i forget the name of it but she's like yeah the southern wrestling federation like we're out here and she was a mass wrestler and she was like and i remember she had like um when I looked at the pictures of her, she had like the name of her state on the back and like her name, her wrestling name was kind of like a play on like where she was from in Mexico. It's people who are, who are really speaking to their specific communities who are out there. So like, for example, like in New York, when, when you bump into a recent Mexican immigrant, at least in the time when I was there 10 years ago, a lot of them were coming from Puebla and Puebla is, is so heavy out there that there's actually a newspaper that's printed in New York that's like the, that comes from Puebla, that's like the Puebla reader or something like that. So people from Puebla, Mexico, those are the folks that are over there. The guy who I was talking to, those are his roots. And so mm-hmm. I think the different communities you go to, they have different, um, they have reaches in different areas of Mexico. So I think that that's how it looks. That's how it's different. Um, and also I think it's, um, 
these communities are, are smaller in these places. Like, you know, I've seen I've seen um, announcements for Lucha Libre events in, in Mississippi, um, Oklahoma, for sure, uh, Arkansas, you know, so these communities aren't I feel I feel aren't as uh, well known as being places mm-hmm. where folks of Mexican descent are migrating. But, you know, they're, they're bringing this this uh, activity. They're bringing this this culture there. Is it basically all Latino people going to this stuff? Because that's what it looks like from the pictures. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's um, I mean, since that story published uh, back in September and I went and I went again because there was a radio guy who wanted me to um, help him with the piece. Mm -hmm. um, I saw like just some like regular ass white dudes there that I'd never seen before. (laughs) Um, I've seen I mean, I've, I've seen. I've seen a brother now and then now and then like when I say 99.9% of the people there are are Latino descent but um you know it's 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 really built for an audience who understands you know Mexican slang who understands um you know Mexican colloquialisms things like that What well, like can you give me an example So like okay so like if if you are um so if you're from Mexico right and you're at a large event and somebody does something and they 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 fuck up or, or like you want to make you want to clown somebody in an event you'll all start chanting culero right and so everybody's like said it at the same time so it's like culero culero right and so that is just like that's a very mexican thing um that could happen on like a, a, a rock show or so like you know let's say somebody unplugs the sound they'll start yelling that there's mm-hmm. other there's other like little little things that like mexican audiences do um that um that that you see that are frequented there another thing people always say is uh, uh chinga tu madre you know like fuck your mom and that that you know so you hear that a lot like so you'll hear like all these, you know I mean, obviously there's kids in the crowd so um you know it's it's um i always have a hard time if you look at the top of that article they put they put it in the family section yeah and so and so they really kind of because it is kind of like a family thing but you know, just the language and and kind of the 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 content is can be pretty adult in a way. Um, so so yeah. You know, I saw uh, one thing that we haven't talked about yet, and I love to know a little bit more about is um, there's diff almost like different categories of this, right? Where obviously you got women, you got women wrestling. You also have people wrestling in drag. And so is that, does that fall under the Exotico? Well, you have, you have people wrestling in drag, but you also have trans wrestlers. Okay. And so I think, I think that that's um, something that the trans aspect was something that I I included in my work, uh, in my grad school work, uh, Mm -hmm. because I just, I found that really interesting. Um, I know that there have been, um, queer and gay wrestlers and kind of like the WWE and things like that. But I was, um, I was really interested in like telling that story and like, you know, kind of figuring out how that interplayed. And, you know, cause the first, the first like full Lucha Libre event that I saw, mm-hmm. you know, from beginning to, to end was in LA. I think I told you this before. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to say it was like in a warehouse in like Whittier or someplace. Um, <laughs> and I just saw like a cardboard sign that said Lucha Libre is happening here. And I went, and I remember when the, the when the queer wrestler came out, like people get really excited and 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 you know, but like the wrestlers like, you know, 
power move is like they go out and kiss somebody, you know? Like that's like mm. the, the you know, all the guys in the audience like, oh, you know, don't kiss me and they'll go and like sit on somebody's lap and and you know, um so people have fun with it, interplay with it. Um, but that's that's definitely that that is the exotico category. So trans wrestlers, okay. wrestlers in drag, queer wrestlers, that that's the exotico category. I feel like you know, even if you want to look at WWF, WWE, whatever, it's all it's all these it's all these stories and all these stories are very these very simple you know caricatures of whatever anxieties or or feelings that yeah. is happening in a place you know what i mean whoever needed to be a boogeyman or a bad guy you know you'd have a bad guy who is japanese you know have a bad guy who's arab you know you have all these different characters and of course that's the person who it's okay to hate because they're bad you don't hate them because they're this ethnicity or this religion or, or their skin tone is this way. No, I hate them because look, they're, they're supposed to be the bad guy. That's what I'm supposed to hate. And so there's this weird zone where I don't know how you feel about this. I look at this and first off the phrase exotico, I feel, okay, that's a little odd, but then yeah, it's like the, the, there's a queer person who's playing a character of a queer person. And is that how they're able to fit in? in this scene it's it, it, it's all kind of weird to me man uh how, mm. how, how do the, how do the wrestlers themselves feel about it i mean the ones i spoke so there, there's a um a trans wrestler out here in houston um and her name is uh fuerza divina and so okay. i i asked her this question yeah and you know her love of performing and her love of the art like she actually she told me she used to be a drag performer Cause I, I remember telling her, I was like, Hey man, you, you know, you look, you look pretty natural, like in the ring, you know, like how long you've been doing this. And, and she's like, I've been doing this a year. And I'm like, wow. But you know, you're interplay with the audience. She's like, Oh, well, I, I come from the drag world. I used to be a wow. drag performer. That's wild. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> that is, that is a Venn like, diagram that I would not think exists. But <laughs> hey, <laughs> okay. Pretty, I guess drag could be sure anything. Not- That's true. Yeah. And I saw, and I saw her wrestle against the first, like, uh, someone who builds who build builds herself as the first trans wrestler in lucha libre um a, a mm. performer called um miss gaviota and this happened in houston and i was just like damn like th- this is kind of groundbreaking stuff like you know um and and fuerza divina told me her name is diana she was like that that was like the end all be all for her to be able to to wrestle with this iconic legend, you know, um, from Mexico and Houston. Wow. So I mean, like I like I said, like the people who who were probably out there wrestling for free, you know, putting their health and their life on the line for for just the the, the chance of being in the ring and performing for people. I think for a lot of folks, you know, no matter their background, their first love is is the wrestling. You know, is this, you know, feeling like a superhero on on stage, feeling like you know a villain on stage or whatever. I mean that's their stage the ring is their stage you know mm-hmm. so you know getting the having the ability to do that kind of um i say like like that 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 just blows everything else away you know the fact that they have to deal with some some um you know slurs and things like that because people still see it as entertainment you know um and, and they got to play the character because you know the characters is everybody's playing a character in wrestling so i think you know they play that character they they do feel that they're able to exhibit their pride and who they are, mm-hmm. um, you know, because like 
you know, when you see when you see um, Fuerza Divina getting staged, you know, like she's like, you know, flashing her butt to people. She's, you know, she's being who she is. She's, she's in her drag mode sometimes when she's when she's performing, but she's also you see her body slam somebody or you see her do a flying kick to somebody and you're like, OK, that, that's athleticism. She's mm -hmm. putting on the show. Um, so, yeah, the, the the fact that they could put on the show, folks, or, you know, the, I think that's that's the bottom line. It's wild because, I mean, there's this sort of standard you know, I, I don't want to call it liberal or whatever, which is, oh, this is, you know, they're being forced to play this role and these uh, the other roles aren't available for them, right? Like the trans person has to be that person, right? Like you could be, yeah. that you, you're forced into that and that's the only way that you're acceptable. And that, I don't know, I'm, this, is, this is kind of me looking from the outside and obviously not having gone, gone to these events, but that's what it looks like. But then on, on the same side, I suppose I could see that, look, there's a place for me, at least. I, I could do my thing here. And yeah. yeah, maybe maybe there's some people who appreciate me. Maybe there's some people in the audience who look at me in this very, you know, demeaning and stereotypical way. And they're they're only comfortable with me as a caricature. Hopefully there's some other people who appreciate me as a human behind that. I hope. Um, you know, I don't know. I can't. I can't pretend to know what's going through the heads, but yeah, it just seems like a wild position to be in. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I, I feel what you're saying for sure. Because um, I, you know, I, I, it's hard to say. Like, you know, is it, is it a safe space for folks? Like, I mean, it's a performance space, I guess, mm -hmm. for for folks. But, um, but I know it, it definitely comes with all the anxieties, like you said. Um, you know, like I'll also point out one one of the really popular characters that you see. I haven't seen him in a while in Houston, but there was also the you know an immigration officer. Um, you know, this is apart from what we're talking about, but you know they they always have a guy who'd be like the immigration officer uh, villain, um, but they kind of toned that down. Um, I, I guess it got what? played out. No, hold yeah, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Tell me about this. What there's a in Lucha Libre they got an immigration audit officer. They got ICE. As a wrestler, yeah, there's like ice guy. There'll be like ice guy. I haven't I haven't seen him around in a while, but like there'll be an iteration of this character in different different states. I maybe they might have had it in New Mexico too, um, but it, for some reason it, it's I haven't seen that character in a while. Like I think I think for, somehow that that character got played out. I don't know how. T tell they, me, they no, tell really, me about this though. What what, what would he do? There would be a dude. It would just be a dude in like you know a, a you know ice like like a, a flag jacket or something kind of dressed up maybe paramilitary. Usually it's like a paramilitary outfit, and then maybe they got like you know ice on the back, stenciled on the back, and then they'll come out saying like you know go back to Mexico. You know they you know they're, they're the heels, so they'll come out you know telling everybody to go back to where they come from, and um and yeah I used to see that character a lot, man. It, like I think. In the last, like, uh, yeah, in like 2016, 2017, when I started to first write about it out here, I used to see that character a lot. And different people would play it, but it was a way to get the, the crowd riled up. I so hold on, hold on. No, you, we got it. Was it like a Latino dude? Was it a white dude that they would have be this guy? What it, was it? It would, it would, I think it would usually be a, a white dude, but it could also be like a Latino dude. You know, it could be like a, like a, it could be a Latino dude sometimes. I'm trying to think the last one I saw that did that. Um, yeah, I think it could go either way. Because I remember they would have like sunglasses, so sometimes you couldn't exactly tell. But um, but just the fact that you know, because I think that that character actually works even if it's a Latino or or if it's just a person not Latino, you know. Because I mean, 
there's definitely, you know, immigration ice people who who, who are from the same culture. Um, but just the fact that they're like out the ring, you know, they're outside the ring saying like, hey, get out of here, you know, show me immigration card, whatever, you know, like it's, it's yelling at the um, audience. As yeah, part of the yelling show. at the audience. Yeah, and the people yelling back, you know, fuck you. Because that's the whole, it's, it's call and response, man. That that whole Lucha Libre thing is call. I mean, all wrestling, I think, is call and response. But that's that's straight up, like, you know, the young audience, everybody, you know, screw you. And then, you know, maybe the, the person who he's going against, you know, will come out with, like, their Mexican flag, and it'll be, like, Mexico versus, uh, you know, the racist U.S. There's been, like, Donald Trump characters. I haven't seen any specifically. But I, I've read and, and seen videos of like kind of like Trump, pro-Trump characters, but um, you haven't seen too much of that lately for some reason. See, this is the stuff I like about like think this is this is an opportunity, I think, to kind of get outside of the understanding of wrestling that I think we usually have, which is just, oh, this is just some weird stuff that low class people do. And I, I would never do that. Right. You know, I, I am much more sophisticated I watch Game of Thrones, you know, <laughs> on the couch, right? This is what I do. But take take me through this, man. What makes a brown person in the South want to go see, want to pay $25 to sit in an auditorium with a bunch of other people and a guy with an ice uniform comes in and starts yelling at them to go back to Mexico? It's cathartic. I think, I think in a sense, this is what I've been told by, by the people there as well is um it's a catharsis you know to be able to go to some place you know there's obviously there's beer there people bring their own coolers it's straight up byob all the events i've been to mostly unless it's in a nightclub sometimes they have lucha libre in nightclubs which is crazy because the yeah. ceiling is like a lot lower but um you know you just lit you're having a good time like that's it, it's what it's what i think it's, it's the appeal of regular wrestling too like the villains will come out and yell and you're yelling at them. Um, but, you know, apart from the just, you know, yelling at somebody who's coming out telling you, you know, the ice character stuff, it's like I told you before, like just that connection to my childhood and the generational connections that like people want to say to their kids, hey, you know, and I, and I met several people who were like, I came out to this because I wanted my kids to see what it's like for the first time. Now, why would a kid want to be yelled at by ice or whatever? Like, I don't know, but I know that the, the thrill of like, you know, seeing your pops or your grandma get up there and, you know, yell at somebody, you know, a lot of people don't get to do that at work. You know, they don't get to do that to the to the officers or whoever's uh, threatening them. Like, goddamn, right. They're trying to do the whole um, check your ID out here and stuff like, you know, all this wildness. If, if that ice character does come back or some kind of like law enforcement character comes back, it would make a lot of sense if that happened now. Um, but you know, it's it's oh, a is, voice. Wait, they hold on. Would... I actually don't know this. Is 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 the law is is something changing? Is some policy changing down there now? Uh in Texas, yeah, they they're pushing they're pushing a policy that to be able to check uh you know, that, that, that stuff they were doing in Arizona, you know, check people's uh papers, you know, show me your papers laws. Um, Again? That, yeah, yeah, Abbott Abbott's pushing that right now. That is uh in heavy combo and heavy rotation if not if not um on the books about to be on the books um, that's that's a that's a good point you bring up though is i mean no joke like why why would you bring your kid to one of these events i mean it it's entirely possible that some kid has seen their dad or their mom get stopped and frisked by some officer on the street 
or get questioned yeah. on the street. And then, and then in that situation, what do you have to do? Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, of course, sir. They can't say anything. Yeah. Even though they know that mom should be able to yell back at this person because the officer is being a jerk. The dad should be able to yell back at this person. They can't do anything. And so now let me take them to a scenario where you can see dad be the man that you know, that you believe he is. You can see mom be the woman you know who she is. Not this small version that the authorities of the law shove into this box. Yeah, no, it's, it's wild, man. I mean, so much of the rhetoric, especially out here, the buoys and all that stuff um, on the border. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't I haven't seen that character in a while. I don't know why, you know, and it, it hasn't, you know, now that we're talking about it, it's not that, you know, those anxieties are gone. You were saying you were a little hesitant about writing about this. Mm -hmm. and, and let's be real. Just the fact that you say they're doing all the announcing in Spanish. If you don't speak Spanish, it's not for you. You know what I mean? It's, just, it's like you're not the target audience. You can come, you can watch, but you're not really the target audience. But I don't know. Is is there any concern that it would get gentrified anyway? I hate um, to say that word. Okay. That word. All right. So so that's a whole other thing, man. So this section, this section of Houston is extremely gentrified. This section of Houston, this is this is the one section of Latino Houston that does mm -hmm. not have half a million dollar townhouses going up everywhere. And uh -huh. part of it is because it's so close to the ship channel, which the soil is a little bit toxic, let's be real. And the the venue itself, when you go there, you're walking through like what looks like a bombed out bus depot. And so Damn. it's like, a, it's a warehouse. Now, now granted, other independent wrestling events happen here that have a, a different audience, a little bit of a mix, but a different audience. So people just know this as like a wrestling spot who are into like indie wrestling. Yeah. Um, but it's like this last bastion of this culture for people. And mm. and a, another thing I want to mention is, is the photographer for this. Um, she's from LA and she moved out here and she kind of caught on really quick, the similarities between Houston and LA. And that's why I knew she would figure out this, the family angle I was going for. But she told me, she was like, you know, the more press they get, man, it's better for them. And I was like, you're right. You know, like, who am, who am I to gatekeep when these people have a business that they're trying to run? Because, like, yeah. you know, I'm not I'm not in the business of promoting and marketing. But, you know, an article in, in, the, in the, you know, local regional paper is going to give them, you know, going to give them more, more asses in the seats, you know. And they got like, the taco vendor in the front. He's going to sell more tacos, every, you know. So mm -hmm. I'm helping out their ecosystem by just, you know, following my nose and, and, and writing these articles. Um, and so, you know, it, it goes back to grad school when I did my piece and I was I was hungry to get some kind of like lead in or someplace. I was applying all these places to get work and people just hit me up like, hey, can I get your contacts for your Lucha Libre story? Um, we want to do a, a, you know, a production house would call me up. Can we can we buy some, can we license some footage? Can we this and that? And it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to, past that story they yeah, the story could get gentrified i guess mm. um but i feel like the place i come from trying to follow this story that that that's what i feel like gives me um more you know expertise or whatever the the story the story could get gentrified how do you mean that because that, that, that's one of the things like i think a lot of times you know when you when you find something specifically let's just be real when it when you find something from a community that is not in the majority 
you've seen those done wrong so many times yeah. that you just it's not even on some ego stuff that I'm the only one who could do it. It's mm-hmm. that I don't necessarily trust other people to do this because I can I can imagine how it could go wrong. Is it is that something you're worried about that you know you said the story getting gentrified? Yeah, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would go to these events. Just I would take pictures and just give the prints. You know, like how a lot of photographers will do. They'll give prints to people for free. You mm-hmm. know, just to show them like, hey, this this is the kind of stuff I'm trying to do. Um, so I put in the work over like years and years of just keeping in touch with these guys, um, building up trust and everything. You know, and I, honestly. A film crew could come from wherever and just plop in and be like, "Hey, we want to film you," and they probably wouldn't wouldn't say no. But like, I've given the care to like like I know I know the senora, you know what I mean? Like, she invited mm-hmm. me to go. She's like, "Hey, I need some pictures of a, a of a birthday party. Could you come take pictures?" You know, like <laughs> like now I know these people, you know. So it's yeah. so these, these I'm I'm part of this community, you know what I mean? So like I live in Houston, I, I live in Third Ward, you know that's Second Ward. But like we're still we're still part of the bigger community, so I don't really come at it like trying to figure out how can I capitalize off of what they're doing. Like yeah, what you could extract. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Extract extractive uh, journalist extractor, you know, parachuting in, extracting their stories. Like I want to do it in a way that that gives care and and you know showcases the pride you know that people have and what they're doing and what they care about because. This shit is deep, man. It's, it's really not. And I, I don't know if it's deeper than than how, you know, other kinds of independent wrestling is. But, like, I feel like this is so connected to, gener- like, how you pointed out that photo. This is so connected to family and generations that um, it's it's not just about body stuff. Because, honestly, a lot of that wrestling stuff gets a little boring after a while. Like, after you go a bunch of times, it's a little bit boring because, you know, they're not the WWE people jumping off the, you know, cage and everything that they don't have those skills yet mm-hmm. but it's it's the whole environment the people um you know seeing the new characters like how they relate to the culture like that to me is what keeps it um interesting and fresh and, and it's not like you know i can barely watch wrestling on tv i get bored after a while um you know the storylines that they have at, at this event very basic we're going to come back next week and defeat you guys you know that's basically what it is Right. But <laughs> the people come out week after week, man. They they come for the micheladas, the, the Mexican candies, the tacos. They come to talk Spanish. Sometimes I'll talk to somebody in Spanish and like, you know, my Spanish is pretty good. But like if they pick up that, like, it's not my first language, they'll switch to English. And I'll just be like, oh, you, I, we could have just been talking English this whole time. You speak, you know. So it's like it's more of a sense of cultural pride that this event has that I think is really the, the story of it and why it's important and why it's lasting and, and why people care about it. Mm. Do people, do some of the, the fighters, the luchadores, do they, do they live in the community? Cause I, I saw that there's some people from out of town, but do people live the, like, is this happened in the second world? Like do people live there? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a guy named little poppy. He's kind of, <laughs> he's kind of grown. So he's like, he's like a, a zoot suitor kind of guy. Okay. And, uh, and Lil Poppy is uh he's getting a lot of work and he he's from the area. LA the Spooky, she's from the area. She she's she's just a homegirl, man. She's a homegirl, used to be a boxer. She's a homegirl from the, from the neighborhood. So it's it's a it's a handful of them who are like from the neighborhood, grew up just like I did, you know, the parents said, Hey, check this shit out. There's mm-hmm. actually an Afro Mexican dude 
Um, his name is Antonio Rosas. His dad is black. His mom is Mexican. And he's from Fifth Ward. And he comes okay. down there every day. He's a big, big dude. So he's, you know, he's he just comes out and does his thing. And, and for him, it's cultural pride, man. You know? And he does other events, but the Lucha Libre stuff is, is, is important to him because, you know, that, that, that's part of his, his culture, his family. And um, it's, it's beautiful to see, like, when you talk to these people about it, like, they get it. Like, the stuff that I'm explaining to you, yeah. like, you know, like, sometimes people can be part of something, but they don't see it like how we see it as journalists because, like, we're always looking at it, you know, from a little bit above, like, trying to figure out how everything fits. Right. Like, they, they see it. Like, they, they, I'll talk to them. They'll confirm all this stuff to me. I'm just like, damn. How do I capture that and share that, you know? Um, because I know that's that's what they want. Like they 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 want to they want to have a bit of fame, you know, they they want people to recognize what they're doing. So if I can yeah. be part of that. Yeah, that's that's yeah. an interesting thing too, because I think you know, every every now and again, man, you'll see something in, you know, in a comment section saying, Yo, like you you writing about this in the white press, man. These white people are gonna come through. They're gonna mess it up, and it's kind of wild because I understand what you're saying, but also just like you say, yo, lady selling tacos out front, she's gonna make more money, and like people want to be seen. They want to be seen in a in a way that's dignified and respects what they're doing, and so. Look, I mean, some honestly, some of the way one of the ways that I look at it sometimes is somebody's gonna write about this. Somebody is going to write about this. It should be somebody that is going to take care with it. Yeah. That doesn't mean don't be critical. the The idea of being able to hide something is it just doesn't exist. You know, what I mean, it it mm-hmm. comes down to okay, look, it's going to be written about, it's going to be talked about. Let me do this with some care and some sense. Uh, right. Yeah, and I, I think that's what you're doing. So, yo, thank thanks for writing about this, man. And, and there's um, and you say there's there's more people you've seen some new faces in the crowd since you wrote the article. Yeah, I saw some. Okay, so I saw one dude, big tall white dude, and another white guy, and then I could tell his friend was sitting next to him, like leaning in, explaining to him, like translating for him. Yo, so the guy was in the front seat, and boom, they slammed somebody. Like that's what people are there for. That whole throw people in the chair stuff. That's the excitement that like is universal. Like if you're in a venue and somebody's like throwing somebody out of the ring, there's like a, a palpable excitement you feel when that kind of stuff is going on. I mean, the other thing that I think is interesting is that mm. I have noticed that from time to time, there are people who come in there that maybe, or maybe, how do I say this without getting in trouble? This is a definite belief I have though. There's got to be some ties between like the um uh fuck it I'll just say it. There's got to be some kind of narco element that comes out to these, uh-huh. and I only say that because you can tell like you can tell like the 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 folks who are like just like from the community, and then you can see like sometimes there are people that come there who like like they just they just come. Uh, if if you know if you know Mexican culture like border culture and stuff like that, you would know what I'm talking about. But like I can just tell like you can tell there's people uh, who come there who have money. Yeah, right? kind of like, kind of co- coming coming to flex. Yes, yes, yes. So, you know they, bring, they they got com- they got the the, the 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 arm candy on the side, all mm-hmm. operating and everything. And I'm like, dude, those 
those folks aren't really from around here, but like they're coming to hang out. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I just throw that out there because it's just the, the differences in the audiences that I see. And and I, I just assume that's, yeah, that, that there's folks from the, from the street game. Let's just say that, you know, they're, they're from the hood who are coming out and checking it out, man. It, it's, it reaches across all cultures. Look, you, you're doing something if you're in an environment where you're in a pretty solid working class entertainment venue, you're going to get mm-hmm. the entire spectrum. Yeah. Legit, you're going to get the entire spectrum. You're going to get the, the teacher. You're going to get, you know what I mean, the shop owner. You're going to get the person who maybe is involved with some street stuff. You're going to get the person who is that person's mom who really wishes they wouldn't be involved with the street stuff. But, right. damn, I can't get them to stop. Whatever. And that's how he goes out. But, I mean, it, if any, if nothing else, that shows that, you know, really everybody is coming out to those to these and yo, thank for real. Thanks for thanks for writing about this. You got to do more, man. I, I yeah. want more of this. I want more of this. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it, man. I think, um, I think the thing, the thing, I'm, uh, you know, because projects, you know, for your projects stack up. I, I did my resolutions, you know, what I'm gonna work on, and yeah. um, I think I want to do like a day in the life for one of these folks, you know, the, the one, the one. The, the girl from the hood who, who's from the hood has a kid, you know, she's trying to make it works her nine to five works on a wrestling, you know, cause Houston's a wrestling town, you know, Booker T WWE, he has a, he has a gym out here. So some of these people he trains, um, really? he do, yeah, Booker T is, is uh, uh, there's, there's been a lot, a lot about Booker T's, um, school out here. He trains some of these people. I guess the la- very last thing then what, uh, if somebody is, to get to go to one of these shows or a show like it what's your recommendation what, what would you recommend to somebody oh i mean just go man it's it's people are selling tickets it's a business you know just go if you um i recommend if you're trying to find it you know just loops it's, it's simple words two two words lucha libre and put in your town and put it on facebook because facebook and instagram that that's the free vehicle for um you know, marketing these events, you know, this mm-hmm. is, this is ground level marketing. So you don't even have to look for any, uh, posters on the walls. Just look that up and just pop in, man, just pop in and, and bring cash, you know, cause it's probably cash based and it's, it should, shouldn't be any more than like 20, 25 bucks to get in. Practice your Spanish. You don't need yeah. to know any, you don't, all they want to do is, is ticket money. Boom. You want to buy a drink? That'll be a dollar or two buy it buy a soda they might they might sell some beer under under the table there so you know <laughs> do your thing and uh and then and enjoy you know enjoy it's fun well yo uh everyone in chat please thank camilla for coming through and uh telling us about hey, you leave it hey. man good start to the year yes thank you thank you for having me man i really appreciate it good to uh good to chop it up absolutely definitely man take it easy and there it is so you probably noticed at the end and a couple times in there that i'm talking to people in chat i'm talking to commenters that is because once again these are done live on twitch on tuesdays at 9 a.m la time 
noon New York time. So, you know, if you would like to jump in live and be able to ask questions to the guests, uh, you know, that would be the time to do it. And of course, if you aren't able to make time during those times, because, you know, I know some people got jobs can't relate now but you could always hit me on instagram at dex digi that's d-e-x-d-i-g-i and you know i always post the guests who's going to be coming up next at least the day before so if you have a question you want to ask them uh you can do so and you can either do that directly in the comments or you can do it via dm and i can even keep it anonymous if you prefer that but anyway once again big shout out big thanks big respect and big appreciation to Camilo Smith for coming through and sharing what he knows about Lucha Libre. I didn't know any of this stuff and I had not seen most of this footage. Like I said, when you heard me kind of freaking out about what Lowrider was doing to some dude, uh, that was genuine because I had not seen that part of that match before because it was a two hour match. Uh, And I know there's some other stuff in there. So anyway, if you want to see some more of this stuff and you want to read Camilo's article and some of his past articles on this stuff, you can check the show notes and also I'll have his, you know, social media information and all that sort of thing in there. But anyway, once again, we made it 2024. This is episode seven. We're not quite in double digits yet, but we're not all that far off. But if you'd like to help us get there, you can leave a rating or a review or whatever it is in the podcast player of your choice. But anyway, until next week, stay in tune.